Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. Happy New Year! Yeah, basically. It's, it's, it's close enough to start celebrating in any sort of fashion that you find suitable, whether that includes a, a large-scale uh, inebriating substance <laughs> or just uh, family and friends. With sound poppers and whistles, whistles, yeah. well, oh my God, horns, I don't know. Things, things that make noise. Yeah, the, 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 the things that roll out and they go, Wee! and then it's fun the first time and then everybody wants to hit you if you keep doing it. Correct. Especially if then you do that into people's faces and it like <laughs> blows the thing. Yes, and hits them in the face. Uh, now, we could focus on the upcoming year. On on the, on the, just the wondrous possibilities that we have available, the new movies that are coming out, all the the neat stuff that we're anticipating, or we could reminisce on twenty twenty two, and I think we're going to do the latter. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some things to look forward to, um, but it's good to recall the things that we have had. Uh, in the past year. Yeah, this has been, this has been, well, this has been a year. I mean, I I, I don't want to say it's just been a, an awful year, but there are elements that have been awful for sure. But mm-hmm. there's there's been some good stuff too. I mean, I, I, I try and think of the positive, but it's it's been a little rough in spots. Not the most thrilling if you can if you can say i feel like a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of media so let's say movies music tv shows things like that a lot of what we're seeing this year is the product of what was done in 2020 slash 2021 and we're kind of seeing the effects of some of those you know we had some really awesome things and some really mediocre things and i think things will start to level out again because it it, i feel like it takes we're we're rounding that corner now on kind of the the post shutdown time frame where everybody's had their time and their money and their efforts to put in full force on creativity and now we're kind of gonna see the the width and breadth of that from a larger scale you know musicians i think had a lot of time at home to create things um, and we saw a lot of creativity from people who sat around for three hours, I mean, three months and had a lot of time and, and, and creative juices to do. So we saw that, but now all the creativity that was supposed to go into that year that got postponed. Now we've seen that and it's kind of a recap on interesting levels of creativity leading into, I think, a bigger and better set of creativity coming up. That's that seems to be the way that I the way that I see things as well. Um, being huge comic book nerds, um, we tend to focus on comic book films, and you know we've talked about it when when we've gone over the history of comic book films that you know each year is has a different number and there seemed to be an, a steady increase at a certain point, but we had a bit of a drop off for aforementioned reasons but 
in 2022, we still had six solid comic book films and then a couple that I included in the comic book film side of things because it's kind of like a comic book film, sort of. Um, but it's, I mean, we were able to watch them. We were able to rate them, uh, give our opinions and still kind of enjoy it. I mean, we had Doctor Strange. We had Morbius. We had the Batman. We had Thor Love and Thunder, Black Adam. We had uh, Black Panther 2. And then we had a couple of really fun short films and Werewolf by Night and uh, Guardians Christmas Special. That's not even talking about any of the television shows or anything else that came out. And it's been, it's been a pretty solid TV year in terms of comic book on television. I mean, at least I've enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching She-Hulk this year. That was great. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of good TV in general, you know, set aside just the comic book aspect of things. Um, and I know that's what we focus on, but I felt like there were some really good, whether it was sci-fi elements or just kind of drama elements, um, a- action, if you will. I mean, it was a big big budget year for some of the things that actually came out at the same time, right? Which yeah. aren't comic book related, but were some of the biggest releases. You know, the Lord of the Rings was the, what the largest budget show created, right? Yeah, that, and, that was massive. And, you know, the reviews are kind of mixed on that, to be honest with you. Um, although I enjoyed it. I just, yeah, same everything... Here. Everything you read on it just kind of gives you a meh kind of vibe for that. But it's set up, it's just set up more things for the future. And, you know, a lot of the movies that we saw did that as well. Although we really saw from the movies that we reviewed, we saw some, I, I thought we saw a lot of okay movies. Oh, yeah. And there were. There was one that was, you know, not okay. <laughs> um, you, you saw the Morbius movie yeah. in the theater. It was, that uh, that was definitely not okay. Um, I tried to watch it on Netflix and fell asleep, so uh, th- there's that. Uh, I, I kind of felt that the best of the bunch, for me personally, was The Batman. And it may be... It it may end up being the only one. There's talks to to do a sequel for it, right? But it's in its own world, so we may or may not ever see anything revolving around that one ever again. Uh, and all the Marvel movies that kind of set up things and dis- describe things and extended the universe to some extent were good, but were they were they were they great? Um, there were some great elements in some of them, for sure. Um, I would say they're at least great adjacent. In terms of the television shows, we got Moon Knight, we got Miss Marvel, and we got She-Hulk. And I thought She-Hulk was really, really excellent. I really adored Moon Knight and how they did it. Miss Marvel had so many really awesome things about it that I enjoyed. I mean, I, I was more than satisfied with what they brought forth, and I thought they did a fantastic job with the television element. I felt this is the first year I really can say I felt the television element was stronger 
than the movie element. I think that's fair. And and Moon Knight was Moon Knight was good in its own way, mm-hmm. right? Which I feel yeah. like a lot of the TV shows haven't kind of fo- they've followed their own path, right? Own oh, creativity yeah. level. Um Miss Marvel, I feel like if you read the reviews and you read the numbers on it, it's like, Ooh, this wasn't very good. You know, like it gets poor scores and it gets bad reviews. But, you know, unfortunately, the people doing those reviews are like um, 40 year old white dudes like us. Mm. And that movie, that, that TV show, unfortunately, isn't geared towards us. No. And I, I can see that. Right. I'm not blind enough to to know that when I see this, it's not what I've been accustomed to. But that's what kind of made that show good, right? Yeah, it's fresh, know, it, it, different element, um, different set of uh, characters, different set of family values, different set of everything. Like yeah. aimed for like the teen, young adult audience, right? Mm-hmm. W- with a, a different set of background for the characters. So in that element, like that was great. I, I I get why people don't like it, I guess, but geez, like open I'm, your perspectives a bit. I'm not certain how many people actually actually didn't like it, and how, how much of that is just kind of the the industry machine. I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder just a little bit about how much interest perspectiveness there is amongst the reviewing community. And what I mean by that is when you go into reviewing a show or a film, why are you reviewing it? What what is your core purpose? I've always felt that our core purpose is fairly fairly simple. We're there to celebrate any attempts to add to this tapestry of amazing storytelling and and when I say amazing it's not always going to be amazing yeah sometimes it may fall short or usually more accurately it will not fit my specific palette it can't always fit the palette of the viewer because so many things are a matter of subjectivity and perspective and but when you go into it with I feel when you go into it with the thought process that we are here to celebrate, to say, hey, look at this monumental feat that you did in making this story come to life and bringing it to people. And let's talk about where this is awesome. And then let's talk about, sure, some of the things that we maybe thought could have been better too. But Ultimately, going in with the thought process that I am so thankful that we have this to appreciate rather than going in with the thought process of I'm going to be the next clever person that will be able to completely break down why this and everything else that I watch sucks or is beneath me intelligence-wise, or whatever. Our purpose is so simple, I feel, that this is, this is only here to call attention to these gems so that people that maybe who didn't see it might go, oh, that might be really cool. That might be something I would enjoy. 
Well, the TV shows, I think, are obviously they're still fairly new, right? This oh, isn't yeah. something that they've been doing for ten years. No, like the like the movies, and the movies are more broad audience. You know, they want that billion dollar uh, movie revenue from that thing. But the TV is a way to add creativity, uh, take chances, yeah. go a different direction, introduce more faces and characters that maybe wouldn't fit a big screen in terms of their introduction or backstory. Uh, but now that they have an introduction or backstory, they can be put into a movie without any other further context. Yeah. And it, it's just a, it's just a way. And, and Disney's doing this with star Wars too. And you know, some of the star Wars stuff is great and some of it's uh, not great, but once again, it's a way to, it's a way to take a chance on something and a way to deliver something that couldn't be delivered properly in a two hour setting on a big screen. Right. And I think as things go along here and the movies develop and this universe develops and more of the things like the X-Men characters and the fantastic four characters are just going to get introduced there's only so many movies that you can make a year mm -hmm. and the TV is going to be the element that you can get more of that in front of people's faces. You know, like you and I, we're hungry for this stuff. Like yeah. we want more of this stuff. So, and I get it. I get the overload. Like there can be too much stuff. Um, yeah. I want more stuff personally. Um, I want more DC stuff. I want more good DC stuff. And I think that's one of the elements that we're really missing is, is, is good stuff from, from, from that factory. Although the animated stuff, uh, honestly, is really, really good to me. But um, if you can give me four Marvel movies and four TV shows, that's going to occupy, gosh, if you think about it, like a really good expanse of the year. So you're going to get a taste of something Marvel pretty much year round. Yeah. And if if you're becoming burdened or, you know, this is tiresome, um, I get it. Yeah. There's a lot of exposure to those things, but what we're seeing now is some of the older characters and things that you've given us, that they've given us in the past, they're making way for a new set of faces and characters to hopefully make things fresh again. Um, so it's just about patience and seeing what the product that we're going to be delivered in the future is. Definitely. And there's there's just been some... On the Marvel side, there's been some really excellent flashes of brilliance like that. That Werewolf by Night, man, that was that was so good. I was talking about wanting more. It was it was not long enough by any stretch of the imagination. There's so much that could be uh, could, that could be done in that little corner of the Marvel world and the the Christmas special having a, a the first Marvel film with no villain. Well, <laughs> not, yeah. not no conventional villain anyway, and just having some fun with it and being joyful is great. Yeah, DC's been a little inconsistent, um, but you know we've got James Gunn and uh, his cohort coming into. I don't want uh, maybe I shouldn't call him his cohort, but uh, him and another gentleman coming in to to head up things. And I've liked what he's done. James Gunn gets comics, gets tone, gets the audience. And I, I'm sorry, all of you Snyderverse people. I'm glad you enjoyed the the Zack Snyder stuff. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good because you know that's that's what's there for. But ultimately, 
the way he was riding was not going to work, not in the long term. And it's just been proven that it was not going to work in the long term. It's not what the majority of people want to see. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, a nice dark storyline can be good. But what makes a nice dark storyline good are those elements of brightness. And often Zach does not have that in his film. He he misses the point uh, often. I mean, he clearly has that love and that passion, but it just doesn't it doesn't translate in the right kind of way, I don't think. So slow motion with music overlays. Yeah. The, well, I was thinking more about character development and plot development. I mean, yeah, that's that's more of a stylistic quirk that neither of us are particularly fond of but i can't get mad at him for that because that's you know every director has something like that and you know it's not always going to be something everybody likes my my problem is more of the long-term vision and it it was you know we talked about this before we neither of us thought that it was going to work the way he was doing things i when back when that man of steel film came out i go hold on something's wrong uh, <laughs> yeah, that just didn't get better. Um, but we'll see well, some, some new people do stuff. Yeah, it, exactly. And in thinking about the future, you know, twenty twenty three's hope. It, it's like the this is the last set of product that we're going to deliver, and then we'll see new things coming forth twenty twenty four, probably twenty twenty five. But if we look at what was delivered this year, and you mentioned the werewolf by night and the Christmas special it's it's not out of the question to say that those two were some of if not the best Marvel elements yeah of the entire year and they're just you know 30 minute shorts right 40 minute shorts mm -hmm. and I think it's clear like you said that James Gunn that's rhyme James Gunn has fun and he knows he, he can get the best out of the people that he's dealing with. Um, and now doing the Guardians of the Galaxy and doing that as kind of a... You're in a different element. You're in space. You have different personalities. You can do it fun, comedic, um, adventure, action, you know, doom and gloom, excitement. Like, you yeah. can mix all those elements in together. But you know what? We saw him do Suicide Squad. Yeah. And, and we saw him do peacemaker so like he can he can do rated r stuff oh yeah and still make it be fun and silly and over the top but still have you know gore and bad words and gruesome and grim and stuff so i think he knows what he's doing folks yep. so it's it's good to see we just gotta wait though it'll take time were there any uh non-comic book films that you were particularly pleased to see in this past year Hmm. That's hard to say. Um, I felt like this last year I did watch a handful of movies on, you know, let's say streaming services, for example, but there were, I've said this before, um, the HBO max family and what is on, what is on that streaming services, some of the best of the elements 
that we can get. And there's a lot of DC things that are on there. And there's always a couple animated movies that pop up on there or animated shows that pop up on there. Um, and uh, they've done the Young Justice comic book like, cartoon series. And this was the fourth season of that. And they broke it down into like two 13-episode chunks. And I really enjoyed that. Um, that was... It's it, each episode's honestly like 22 minutes, so like really easily consumable. Yeah. But it carried on the story elements from all the previous seasons, and it gives you all these DC characters that you know don't oftentimes get a lot of the spotlight. Uh, they may get some of the some of the spotlight. Some of them may, uh, and you may see, you may be familiar with some of them. But there's a lot of faces in there that just kind of pop and they did that they did that so well which is why i love the dc animated things to begin with i just wish they could translate it into live action that's 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 just it um think- you know netflix had their own things uh i'm, I'm just trying to think here I'll, honestly a lot of the things i enjoyed were tv tv production like eight episode ten episode things um, yeah i'm sure there's a movie or two that was maybe back 10 months ago, but I really, I think I really focused more on TV stuff. Weren't, weren't you really excited with the Fantastic Beasts uh, sequel that came out? <laughs> I Okay, so the first, the very first one that came out, um, I think we, I forget if it was on streaming or Redbox, because it was a little while ago. I fell asleep. Huh? I never, I never even went back and watched it. So therefore I've never watched any of the subsequent ones. For yeah. um, I love the Harry Potter movies. Those are fun. They're great. But the Fantastic Beasts, I've just never been excited to see them. And I probably should yeah. be, but I'm not. I can understand that. It, it, it's some talking about it's for some people, it's just overload again, just because it's older. It's not got the characters that they came to love for the most part in the original series. It's uh, with it being a prequel and. It's had difficulties in casting and some other things, and it's just it has faced some difficulties that the others have not. Um, I had a handful of movies uh, over the course of the last year that I thought were really fun, really great, like The Adam Project I thought was a lot of fun, as was Free Guy, a couple of, couple of Ryan Reynolds films. Free Guy uh, was pretty fun. Yeah, uh, Chip and Dale was pretty fun i mean surprisingly so uh if you haven't seen that and uh, you like the combination of animation and real life stuff it can work uh but you know like prey was great we talked about prey, prey. was really good yeah that that one was i was just thinking about that that too that was a good one um bullet train was super super good i didn't realize how much i was going to like that film until i watched just like this is fantastic um disenchanted a lot of people say hey what's straight to streaming means it's probably going to be awful nope <laughs> it's just pretty fun if well if you enjoyed the first one if you enjoyed enchanted you're going to enjoy disenchanted almost certainly that was a that was a great film that came out a little continuation of story uh, just watch the glass onion i watched that twice it was so good um that's that's Somehow, maybe it's because it's the one I watched most recently, but 
that may be my favorite non-comic film that was released this year. It was it was very impressive. Yeah, I I'm sure there was a, a few others that were in there, but honestly, Prey was probably the one that's that stands out the most. I feel like right now a lot of things are so consumable, right? Because mm. there's so many studios doing things and and putting movies out there. Um, but the theaters themselves, I, I thought, made a little bit of a resurgence this year, and box offices kind of went up this year. And hopefully, that will continue on into you know this next year um i know one of ken's favorites is out right now uh with the avatar sequel so <laughs> so uh i love I mean, that i love that you mr cameron dollars, you know yeah i i don't care if it does uh, it's i never liked the first film have no interest in the second which is not a reflection on cameron's capabilities it's just that's one of those things we talked about where it just doesn't hit you quite right and that one never hit me quite right. I mean, give me a Terminator 2 or something like that, and yeah, we're, we're talking. But uh, yeah, Space Pocahontas, not not so interested. And, you know, the, the thing about that, which kind of lends into some of the other movies, uh, I, I think that's, we talked about it, all, you know, before we did the podcast. I think that's a, a Warner Brothers property. I'm not positive on it. But what we've seen recently with that that I really enjoy is the fact that about, you know, two months later after they've been in the theater, those things are showing up on HBO Max. Yeah. So we saw we saw Black Adam in the theater. Yep. But it's on HBO Max right now to watch and review and and either overly criticize again or enjoy even more the second time (laughs) and i I thought that was a real big change for this past year how quickly things made it from theater to streaming service a lot of the things even the big movies uh two months later they might still be in the theater but you can go to disney plus or hbo max or peacock or paramount all these places and be able to watch them um, I know the biggest movie of the year, which was the Top Gun sequel, yeah. I haven't seen, but of course it's on Paramount Plus, so uh, a subscription service that you've dabbled in a little bit and little I've bit. never really taken part in. Um, so even that one, that one took a little bit longer to hit that that streaming platform, but the turnaround time in general is much faster and much more accessible now than what it was even some of the years prior. Um, I think that's an interesting positive for viewers. You still get the experience in the theater, but then, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times that the movie's really, really good, you're going to go watch it in the theater multiple times. But having it be in your house for you to watch it when you want, as you want, if you want to consume it in 30-minute chunks and then kind of, over not overanalyzed but like look at the elements that you missed the first time you watched it is one of my favorite things about re-watching a movie trying to things like you talked about something in a review that we did but i didn't see it or vice versa now we can now we can catch up on those things much quicker and that was a positive for this year i think yeah i have to agree with that and uh i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to having access to some of those things they're there are too many streaming services at the moment um, 
yeah, just talking about Paramount, I, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Then that's Paramount. But if that's basically the only reason that I would want to get Paramount, it's not enough of a reason to pay the amount of money each month. So I might pick it up for a couple of months and watch through stuff and then drop it again. That is not what I would call a successful model for businesses. I think I think there needs to be, I don't, I don't want to say oversight, but maybe some coordination. It's maybe a, a middleman that can help glue some of these disparate things together so that those of us little guys don't have to have 20 different services to be able to access the stuff that we want to watch. Yeah, there, there's that. that is true. There's so many elements that I guess for us, uh, some of them seem to be a given, right? Because the Disney Plus, the Disney Plus is a bundle, and you get Hulu with it, yeah. and you do get ESPN Plus, and there's not, I mean, there's a few things on ESPN Plus that are cool, but that's, yeah, I mean, if you're really into, like, things like UFC, that, that's actually a really cool element, but um, there's a couple cool things that are on there, but that bundle, I think for most, that's that's one that you're going to prioritize. Okay. Mm-hmm uh hbo max that's that's free with some services and uh, you got to pay for it with other services that one might be a a borderline but i think there's a few key ones i think a lot of people have disney plus a lot of people have netflix and a lot of people have amazon prime right and those are kind of the three key elements that don't they honestly there's a lot of good product on all of those now hbo is like i said i think the best but the subscription service that people are paying for that one might get kind of left out and paramount plus is the same way too there's also peacock um but if you have any type of xfinity service you're going to get peacock um but yeah you're right man it's just hard to pay that 10 bucks for all six of these services okay well now you're now you're back to having a cable service again because you're paying 60 bucks a month for all these streaming services and and i do miss Star Trek used to be on Netflix. Right. So we could watch Next Generation. You could watch Deep Space Nine, all of them. And now that they're not there anymore, that's disappointing to me. Um, Beavis and Butthead is all over Paramount+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be cool a cool element for me. But is it worth the subscription service? Yeah, I don't know. The, the movies aren't really piling up on there. Um, so it's like, is the other content good enough? And right now, that's that's one in between the two of us. That's one that just kind of gets left out, I feel like. Yeah, it is. It is the person left on the bench. Now, what you should not leave on the bench is, uh, this is a terrible segue, don't leave the opportunity on the bench to go check out our website. <laughs> it was a valid try, I suppose. Well, you know, I had a better a, a better segue, but you moved on, and what you're saying, it just didn't connect anymore. It's mm. like, all right, fine. This isn't nearly as good, but I'll use it. But but what is good is we have all sorts of resources where you can see our upcoming episodes. You can access any of our episodes that we've already aired uh, on any of our movie reviews, any of our interviews, any of our top tens. They're all there. You can take a look through the different guests that we've had over the course of our tenure 
We have the Ultimate Comic Movie database on there that is still slightly behind because <laughs> I've had no time to enter any more data into it. But I swear it's it's coming uh, as I slowly cry <laughs> trying to find the moment to, to put something in there. Uh, but also we've got, of course, our death counts for film and television and some, some fun stuff built into that. Uh, you know, talking about those people that we've talked to over the course of the last year, we've actually had kind of a crazy, excellent group of of people that we've managed to have on the show. I mean, we just had Eric Fellows on last week to, for the second time. He's always just a joy to talk to as a, a an actor that was just in the film Divorce Bait that came out, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. We had the chance to be on the uh, the press junket for Leverage Redemption Season 2. Talked to Gina Bellman and Beth Reesgraff and Noah Wiley. And we talked to Martin Harris, who's been on Stranger Things and Amsterdam and Gray Man. And then we had Sumali Montano, or Somali, uh, just depending upon how you want to pronounce that. Uh, I like the latter, but... Uh, I've had other people say the the former. Uh, she's awesome. Man, if you haven't heard that interview, she's so good. She's been a bunch of television and did voices for animated stuff, voices for video games. She was pudding. Uh, so, so it's kind of a, a great thing uh, to have her on the show because of the name of our show. We had R Cody Renee Cameron on, uh, model and actress. That's just, you know, done some kind of surprising work here and there. I mean, we've had some great people on. I think the, the stock of the people that we've had, you know, more importantly, you've had a discussion to a chance to have a discussion with. I, I think the best part about it is of course, our focus a lot of times is on comic books. Um, but in terms of interviews, it's anybody and everybody. Right. We yeah. want the experience to have, you know, people in front of us, whether that is a a person who is a voice actor or actress, because we've had a few, mm -hmm. whether that's people who have been in comic book movies. That's that's great. That's kind of what we've been looking for. But people who have had screen screen time on big features, small features of uh, TV shows uh, behind the scenes, camera work, producers, uh, stuntmen. It, it kind of doesn't matter because the perspective, the idea is perspective. Oh, yeah. You've been in 300 features or you've been in two, but you've written, you've directed, you've produced, you've uh, you've gone to uh, the perspective interview for the, the show. Like, whatever it is, how do you prepare? How do you train? How do you get ready? What's your favorite pizza? You know, like whatever those questions may be, that person in front of us is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. And they have a product to sell too, whether it's themselves or whether it's uh, the, the thing that they've been working on. And there have been Indiana people and there have been Illinois people and there have been people from all over the country. So I, I think the fun part about it is that it doesn't have to be one particular pathway. No. It doesn't have to be some 
person who's done everything or some person that's done nothing. It's just a person who's willing to take the time to see that we have a love and interest in what they're doing and a respect for what they're doing. And I think that comes through in the discussions that we do have with the people that they appreciate um, the knowledge that Ken puts into the questions and the excitement that we deliver from them because it's usually not a typical interview. That's the goal anyway. And like, like you were saying, we like to talk to all sorts of people. We had a couple comic creators earlier this year and DP Brown and Stuart Sager. And we're going to be talking to another one here fairly shortly uh, for a second time. That was, uh, we, we love the independent comic creators because they, because they're independent, they have a, a certain control over their characters and their stories, and they have a chance to bring something fresh, and they have just that love because it's their idea, it's their stuff. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I get just an absolute thrill out of being able to talk to Janet Varney, who did the voice for Legend of Korra, and that was just amazing. I Still, I'm kind of giddy about that or having a chance to stop, uh, talk to Stuart Pankin and Peter Jason, who've been in the industry for forever and have done so many just easily recognizable roles. Or even if it's just like my own pet thing, being able to talk to Gabriel Jarrett uh, from the movie Real Genius, among other things. But, you know, that's that's why I want to talk to him because he's in – you know, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I'm still wanting to try and get everybody that's been involved in that particular project on there. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had some, we've had some just wonderfully diverse and interesting people to share their journey and their experiences in their respective industries, and just let us get a little peek at what it's like to kind of make the things that we love. And I think part of that is, you know, I think you mentioned before uh, some of the folks from the Leverage Redemption and the, the, the junket that they had put together, which got an opportunity to have a small exposure to some of the folks that, that work on that. But you know what? Um, you've got a slight history with the, the creators and then the, the PR people with that. And I think eventually, as we continue on with that same relationship, there's a level of trust that's built that we're not just here to ask silly questions or to chew up people's time. I think the people that set up those interviews have that level of respect. And hopefully, if there's enough listens from our viewers and they enjoy the questions that we deliver too that respect will just grow into being able to have those bigger and broader discussions with more and more folks. Yeah. I, I have to, I have to say, I love, I love Dean Devlin. I love his whole concept behind electric entertainment that talking about companies that have the right idea and are approaching things in a way that is, is similar to what we were talking about earlier, just trying to share Share a story, share the love, and build up rather than than you know tear down. And it's just, it's really nice to see that sort of thing. Now, of course, not everything can be roses. Uh, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk just a little bit about some of the people 
that have been lost over the course of this past year. There are entirely too many to have in the 20 minutes or so that we will have to kind of talk about this. And we are definitely going to, we're going to miss some. And we'll probably miss some that you find um, specifically important to you that had an impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. But I figured we could talk about some of the ones that had more of an impact on our lives and uh, how that was part of, for me, what made 2022 hard is there were a lot of people that we lost that that had a, a, a fairly significant impact on on my life, at least in in my pop culture <laughs> side of my life. And, you know, let's be honest with ourselves. There's billions of people in the world, and only a small portion of those people are, let's call them celebrity, and celebrity can be minor or major. But, but that just means the amount of people that are going to pass away every year is going to just exponentially grow so you're right we can't we can't have a discussion about the 500 you know quote celebrity people that passed away so we we kind of just unfortunately have to focus on a few that you know we noticed uh relative to the other ones which you know you you may have noticed but but had an impact on you because they were your favorite singer or your in your favorite show growing up but for us it was a few that were in our favorite shows when we were growing up yeah, I mean, so like me personally, I'm among other things, and we've we've talked about this. We've had a really fun discussion with the owner of the local um, stand-up comedy. I about call it the comedy store. <laughs> this is where they pay sell money to get comedy. They so. sell the comedies there, but uh, a place to see stand-up comedy performed. Uh, I'm a huge fan of stand-up comics, and we lost just a couple of titans in terms of stand-up comedy between Gilbert Gottfried and Bob Saget. I mean, that that for me was rough because these these guys not only had just amazing stand-up comedy skill and history, but they had they had impact over television and film. I mean. You can't not hear Iago in Gilbert Godfrey's voice because uh, he was he was the parrot from Aladdin. He always will be the parrot from Aladdin, or you know the Affleck duck if you're a little <laughs> a little less familiar with that. But or if you were in our age, you know Bob Saget was America's dad, whether he was. Uh, on a show, the raising kids with the help of his kooky friends and 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 family, or whether he was just talking about uh, videos that people sent in of getting hit in the crotch with a croquet mallet, <laughs> he was he was there all the time. Yeah, Bob Saget was kind of that uh, was kind of that almost. I don't know. He wasn't not the father figure, but he was the thing that was was there for a lot of people from some of those things because he did a couple uh, those two popular things on I think ABC. So Full House was on ABC, and then even on that same was it the same night later on he did America's Funniest Home Videos. But he did that for like a decade. Yeah, and 
he he America's funniest home videos. Although let's be honest, the delivery and the voting on who won it was really kind of cheesy. Like that was a thing. Like if you if you go and you watch YouTube videos of people, you know, getting hit in the junk, that was those views that are getting a million views now. That was that show before there was the internet. Yeah. That was the thing that people recorded on their gigantic VHS uh, camcorder and then stuffed those things into a padded envelope and mailed them across the country for people to put in other VCRs and review and then put it on a show. <laughs> to me, it's crazy to think that because now we just upload and hit a button and it's there, right? Yeah. But he, that show made that type of, that type of element uh, popular. You know, there there wouldn't be even a, a, a thing like Jackass now. No. Make without a, a type of show like that. So he was he was part of a pioneer, you know, type of show. And Gilbert Gottfried, um, you of course you rec- recognize the voice, but even from a comic book standpoint, when when we were younger, he was Mister Metzelplicht or however yes. you want to say it, right? Metzelplicht. So, Yes, yes. So he, that that was the voice that I recognized when I was younger. Um, of course, you saw him in other things too, but that that was. You, you don't. I guess you recognize the voice, and for him, you recognize the face too. Like you see his face, but the voice just—I don't know—just stands out. Very unique. Yes, definitely so. Um, and of course, we lost just. Uh, we already talked about Kevin Conroy in terms of voices that that are huge, but we'll we'll just kind of gloss over that because we dedicated an entire episode to him and and his loss. But we were talking a little bit about uh, Harry Potter a little earlier, and Robbie Coltrane died this last year. I mean, it's Hagrid, uh, among other things. I mean, obviously he had a lot of other uh, experience throughout the industry, but when you're in that many films as the same character over and over, you're kind of identified with him and just hearing the stories of his interaction with the other actors on set and, and how he approached things just makes me so sad that I never had the chance to actually meet this, this man and just shake his hand. Uh, A bond character for quite some time. Yeah. He was, he was a Bond character during the Pierce Brosnan time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in uh, obviously a lot of things, but I was a big Bond fan. So that's where I kind of paid attention more, let's say, to him yeah. uh, before the Harry Potter days. Or if you watch the Ocean's 12 part of the Ocean's 11 remake, he had a, a significant role in that film, even though it was kind of... Kind of small if you weren't really paying attention to it. He was in a comic book film. I mean, if you go onto our database, you'll even see which one he was in. It may not be what you expect. In fact, I guarantee it's not what you expect. But (laughs) (laughs) he definitely had that. Um, We lost a handful of just dramatic acting legends between James Caan and Sidney Poitier and William Hurt. I mean, those those guys could put in a a performance and just so much and just make you feel it, whatever it was. Sidney Poitier on his own. That, 
I loved anything that dude had because when you looked in his eyes when he was performing, you believed whatever it was he was saying. It was, he was amazing. Well, and speaking of uh, James Kahn, of course you think of him maybe from the Godfather days and then on up as that type of actor, but he's in, he's in one of our, well, at least our family's favorite movies. He's an, he's an elf. Right. Right. Like it's, so it's, it's, it, it, it's a perfect casting because of how you picture that type of character that he portrays and the movie's just silly and fun. So, um, he's in a, he was in a lot of good things. Yeah, a lot of good things. Yeah, and it's 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 a small thing, but again, we talk about comic book films. As General Ross, William Hurt was kind of perfect. He did Mm -hmm. he did great with that role, and and the reason that he did great with that role is he had the baggage of all of his other work that he brought in this lifetime of achievement of drama that when you see him you go okay this guy's serious there's there's just no way around seeing it that way and and that that's what you needed with that character to take him to take him seriously uh, and and who else are you going to replace him with but like a legend yeah it's kind of crazy to think about yeah that was going to be a little rough i mean we we lost ray liotta man that that one that was a little rough. I mean, thinking about um, thinking about films based on mafia stuff. <laughs> I feel like we just talked about that a moment ago. But uh, he's been in a lot of good films. But just seeing him work with Pesci in 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 some just fantastic scenes and. I don't think there's anything that I've ever seen him in that he wasn't great in. Yeah. Um, and you hate to, let's say, stereotype the character because he's more than that, but obviously those are his more iconic role I mean, types. yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody's going to remember Goodfellas, but I mean, uh, obviously wasn't the only thing that he was in. It's just that that was so good. <laughs> it's yeah. hard not to think about it. Um, just like Nichelle Nichols. I mean, she was a fantastic singer. She was an actress that does a bunch of stuff, but she is Uhura. There is no two ways about it. We lost Uhura. Yeah. Um, you, you know, some of the other TV folks, um, I know Kirstie Alley mm-hmm. uh, passed away. She she was in a lot of things, and you, a lot of people may only recognize her from certain things now, but... I watched the heck out of Cheers growing up. Yes. I watched that all the time. So that's kind of what I remember her from, you know, yeah. when speaking of, you know, TV shows and right. growing up. And then uh, Clarence Gilliard uh, Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, was in a, a lot of movies, but uh, I think his run on Walker, Texas Ranger is uh, one of the things that I always had uh, a face on for him too. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and he's in one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. 
I mean, he was he was great. I, I, I love that guy. And he was actually the whole reason I watched Walker, Texas Ranger in the first place. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like um, Chuck Norris. Uh, yeah, I, I like Chuck Norris, but it's, it wasn't enough of a pull at that age for me to want to walk the show, watch the show. You know, my, my parents had it on or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, Chuck Norris. And then had him coming on, and his whole shtick was, well, I'm healthy and I, I'm drinking this bottle of, of uh, basically vegetarian <laughs> energy drink sort of thing mm-hmm. before it was a thing. It's like, okay, and he's in a Texas Ranger show, and okay, this this doesn't seem to fit, but it, it's it's working for me. This guy is making it making it work, and he was the interesting part of the show. Yeah, they uh, obviously the show is cheesy. Oh yeah, uh, but that's almost why you watched it for the over the top cheesiness or the old Matlock shows that he was mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I mean, just he was great on that. Um, but I mean, it's yeah, that's just kind of what it is. Or you know, we lost we lost musicians that just had a huge impact. I mean, now. Some would laugh when I would say Coolio, but that for our age again, you know, some of the stuff he did, Gangster's Paradise. There's, there's no two ways around it that that was uh, a song. I mean, yeah, it sampled other music to, as its basis. That was what made it kind of so catchy. But he still took it and put his own fingerprint on it and left his own mark. And he, I'll tell you what. That was not the only good track on that first record. I listened to that that over and over and over again when I was that age, and it, at least at least three quarters of those tracks were really really solid. Uh, <laughs> but 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 you're right. That's kind of an iconic figure because yeah. you you know that song, but you know his hair. And, yeah. and I may be wrong, but like you know what when you see that that face like you could you could show a picture and it was just the hair you're like oh that's yep. William. like you you knew so like you knew that artist plain and simple are you down with a badass you know who yes i am it's <laughs> just kind of um but you know if you're looking more of a, a pop singer side of thing we lost uh, olivia newton john i mean that was she made some songs that everybody knew and, you know, they were just kind of, uh, you know, they were a sensation that as soon as you would hear the song, it'd be stuck in your head for days, um, which is, you know, a blessing and a curse, <laughs> I guess. But, yeah. yeah, she was she was huge uh, to lose. I, I was I was really hurt by Taylor Hawkins personally because, you know, the whole thing with the Nirvana ending the way that it did. Then we at least got Foo Fighters out of that. It's like, okay, cool. We've got this fantastic band where it's got, you got these really talented guys working together. And Taylor Hawkins was a heck of a drummer. Um, and it was, he just, he had the friendliest, friendliest disposition every time I saw him. And he's just, he, he was, he was a great artist. 
Well, I think, you know, part of that too is that band had been together. So maybe it sounds silly to us when, when I think of Foo Fighters, um, you know, I think of a, a lot of things. I, I don't even own a Foo Fighters album. I didn't listen to them very much. Um, but that band's, that band's been together for over 20 years. Like one, we're old, but yeah. two, um, bands don't bands often especially from that era right uh, they don't last very long from that era you have pearl jam that's it right and, and then uh so foo fighters for them to be together for so long and they're still together it's not like they fell apart no. like they, that's not it but they lost one of the founding elements of that band and in the rock world, that loss was a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, seeing the video of uh, his son taking his place at the drum set for for a song with him, that was, that was pretty powerful. Uh, yeah. He was jamming, too. Yeah. And some of these, some of these others that I was just thinking of, maybe they're, they're more, again, they're more for me than anything else, but losing Angela Lansbury, she was... She was huge. I mean, a lot of people think of her from Murder, She Wrote, which was uh, a big show from back in our childhoods. But I, she was, uh, she was in a version of the Pirates of Penzance, and that's really where I remember her most from. But she, or being Mrs. Potts mm-hmm. in Beauty and the Beast, and she had, she had such an iconic voice and just a presentation where she always had grace in whatever she was doing which was really impressive to me yeah the it, it's i think when you hear the like the tale as old as time you know like you just hear that intro sometimes you don't even think that that's angela lansbury like it just doesn't click right like it's just yeah there's something missing about it but that's totally her like if you if you knew or you watch even something like Murder, Murder, She Wrote, like you could totally picture her singing that when you hear that come on. Yeah, we uh, she she had such a long career in theater and television. Um, it's it's it would take an entire episode really just <laughs> just to go over that. Um, I guess another one for me that was big this last year, we lost George Perez. Now again, this is this is talking about our corner of the world, what what we kind of look at what's important and George Perez is a preeminent or I should say was a preeminent comic book artist and writer and he had just a fantastic style um if you hadn't seen his work, you, I mean, you cannot miss it. When I was young, Crisis on Infinite Earths was a big deal. Yeah, it still technically, historically is a, a big deal in the landscape of how DC did stuff. And his his artwork is all over that. His influence is all over that. Uh, but, you know, that's not the only thing. But you know, Wonder Woman and Teen Titans and JLA, if it's DC, he probably had a little bit. But he did Marvel stuff, too. I mean, he's all over the place, man. Well, even the 
the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, I didn't read it. They they have a uh, they have an animated feature on it, which I'm sure only loosely touches on what actually happened in the comic book. But even that storyline itself was pretty entertaining. So yeah, um, I I know that that's a big event. So I know to have that person who was part of the creative process for that is a big deal. Yeah, I mean. And I, I'm not going to go into any more details because we're kind of we're running long as it is. But you know, like Philip Baker Hall and Fred Ward and Jason David Frank and Ivan Reitman, and just 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 these all these people that at least in some way, shape, or form had some form uh, some impact on my life to make to show me some stories, to show me some music, show me something that was new and neat. And just make my life better, and I miss them. Yeah, that like if you just do a little reference for twenty twenty two, there's like two hundred and twenty yeah. on a short list that I see, uh, which is, definitely doesn't include anybody. So there's just yeah, there's a lot. There would be a lot to discuss. It would be like a five hour episode. Yes, yes, it would. But that's probably where we should leave things. We'll wrap things up there. Let us know. You know where we're at on social media. Who were some of the people that that really affected you that we we missed, or who were what are some of the the films that you really enjoyed that came out over the course of the last year? We're on uh, Facebook. We are on Twitter, or at least for now. <laughs> we're still on, you know, we're still on uh, Instagram. You know, where you can post pictures of. Well, you're not really cutting your lawn right now, but uh not right now, no. Um I suppose I could drive the lawn more around out in the snow. It would be interesting, <laughs> but but uh yeah, we'll we'll always be uh on that or of course on Patreon. Uh and we always appreciate our patrons. Um but uh next week we're going to uh go back to uh an interview with another very interesting individual. Um, I hope you take the opportunity to listen to that. Uh, it's going to be another actor by the name of Paul Sidhu. Um, and he, he's really, really interesting. Uh, if you, if you like actors that have, uh, a large, uh, influence, uh, from a, a variety of different, uh, locations throughout the world. This gentleman is right up your alley, and uh, he's he's a cool dude. But until then, stay warm, stay safe. Talk to you again soon.